Uh, we were in this series, and we're talking about what does it mean to be different? We even used the word at the start, what does it mean to maybe be weird? But we don't want to be weird. We want to be different in this world that we live in. When it comes to our finances, what we said is normal is living paycheck to paycheck. Where we're broke, we're worried about finances. When it comes to relationships, it seems like a lot of relationships are disposable. They don't really last. When it comes to life today, it's normal to believe that there's something more out there. But most of us, myself included, simply get to the place where we settle for material things, which leaves us having a hole, we're empty, we're always craving something more. It's normal to be spiritually empty. And we agree that when we look at the way people are doing life, normal just doesn't seem to be working. So if you're new with us, we, we kind of have made this Matthew 7 passage kind of the focal point. Matthew 7 verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few people find it. There's lots of people on the broad road. And the broad road doesn't end up in a good place. It ends up in destruction, and many people are on that. The narrow road that actually leads to life, there's only a few of us on that road. And we're, we're all living this way. This is where the crowd is, and the normal people that we walk with on the very broad road, we all look at each other and we say, this is what it is. It's normal to struggle with our finances. It's normal to struggle in our relationships. It's normal to live a life that is moving at a really fast pace that suddenly when we're 65, then maybe we can retire and golf a lot. The normal people look at us and say, you're different. What are you doing? What are you doing that God stuff for? That's different. Come back over here where all the normal people are. The normal people just don't understand. The way that they're living, what they're doing, what they believe in simply leads to destruction. Tragically, and I don't want you to miss this, only a few are on the narrow road that leads to life. If you're on the narrow road, the normal people are going to call you different. And we're actually, last week we talked about this, we're going to take comfort in that. Because we know normal isn't working. So today, I'm going to look at what's the normal view of God? What does the world's view of God kind of is? And what's different people's view of God? Okay, so the very first one. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Religion, religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. So every religion has its own set of external, man-made, religious rules of trying to please God. So let's come up with a definition of what religion is. Religion says if we behave this way, if we believe this way, 
if we do these things and not those other things, then we can perform our way to God. God can look at us and go, wow, you did it. You know, we pick our rules. Some of us here might have, I don't ever drink. I don't ever smoke. I don't ever chew. You know the rest. I don't dance with girls that do. Okay, uh... So I must be right before God. Like if I do all those right things, I must be, I must be acceptable to God. Or it could be, you know, I pray this way. I kneel in this right direction. I go to church more often than I don't go to church. I was baptized this way. I don't see those type of movies. Or I do these right religious behaviors. See, religion is always externally focused. If I behave the right way, then I might just please God. The problem is, Jesus came on the scene. He dealt with religious people who had all these rules. They were known as Pharisees in the New Testament. In in Matthew 23, Jesus told this story about a cup. He compared the Pharisees' lives to a cup. He said, the outside of your cup, in other words, your behavior, what you're showing everyone looks pretty good. It's clean. But the inside of your heart, the inside of the cup, what matters to God is filthy and you're completely missing the point. See, religion always focuses on the external. Uh, Behind me in Isaiah, the author said this in Isaiah 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship, how they live their life, is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. Just following the right set of behaviors. See, religion always, every single time, leads to two different destinations. Religion leads to a destination of pride, or religion leads to despair. Well, let's start with pride. Some of us in this room, if you were to define our understanding of religion, we would say, well, I'm better than someone else. Uh, A lot of us know some pretty prideful, holier-than-thou people. I don't want you to point at them this morning, okay? Don't do that. (laughs) You know the people. I'm right. You're wrong. I do it right. You do it wrong. I have these beliefs, and you don't have those beliefs. Just like the Pharisee in Luke 18, where Jesus said, the religious Pharisee went into the temple He was so full of pride. He prayed about himself. He prayed, oh, thank you, God, that I am so righteous and not like that unholy tax collector. Then the Pharisee said, I tithe regularly. I pray. Look at how good I am. And Jesus said back to him, you missed the point. The sinner, the tax collector, is actually the person that got it right. See, religion always leads to pride or despair. 
Some of you, you've been in that pride aspect. I behaved right. Others of you are in the other camp where you are in despair. I'm not good enough. I mean, there are other people. They're religious. They get it right, but man, that's not me. I can't even make it to church two weeks in a row. You know, I'm not supposed to say a bad word, and every time I play golf with Glenn, you know what happens? Good, you're still listening. There are these other holy people. I mean, they like to pray. I mean, they go to prayer meetings on Tuesday night here at daybreak. I'd rather die than go to a prayer meeting. I get bored. I tried to pray. Give us today our daily bread. We're out of bread. We have no bread in the house. The car needs the oil to be changed. I don't have time to pray. I can't even pray for 30 seconds and my mind wanders. I'm obviously not good enough. See, despair. I can't measure up. That's what religion does. It either puffs us up with pride or it makes us feel like we're just useless. Despair. And that, my friends, is what a normal approach is to God. Religion, it's all based on the externals. Here's the second thing. Here's what different people understand. There's Christ. And that's God's different way to reach man. See, we talked about religion being man's normal attempt to reach God, but Christ was God's different way to reach man. It was something that never heard, was heard of before. It was something that, that quite honestly disturbed the religious crowd. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. I, I want to look at the teachings of Paul. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Paul was somebody who's contrasting. I used to be this person who pursued religion, and now Christ has changed me. And in that change, what does that mean for me? Listen to what verse 4 says. Philippians 3 verse 4, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I've done well. I was trained. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul's saying, I have more. I'm better than you. Verse 5, listen to what I was. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for the righteous, based on the law, I was faultless. I was perfect. And then look at what he says in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. We're going to come back to that verse 7 in just a minute. For some of us, we heard all those Pharisees and tribes and stuff, but here's what it would be like translated in our world today. I was born in a pastor's home. I was raised by a pastor's family. I went to Christian education. I graduated at the top of Bible school. I only listened to Shine FM on the radio. I never listened to secular music. I was baptized by Billy Graham in the Jordan River. And on and on and on. Paul is saying, I've done it all. You can't get any more religious than me. I had it all. Verse 7, but 
Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul switches gears. He goes, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the Son of God. And for that sake, I've lost all things. Look down at verse 8 and 9. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. The NIV uses this word, and we're going to come back to it. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from doing the right things, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I consider them. I consider them garbage or rubbish that I may gain Christ. All of that Pharisee of Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcision, I consider them all garbage. Here's the Greek word. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Skubala. You see, garbage, the NIV is a nice way to translate that fancy word scubala. It could be translated as rubbish or garbage, but really what the author is saying here is that it's human or animal waste. Does that change your perspective of garbage? In fact... Our, some of us, the, the translation we might be reading this morning, the King James translate, translates it actually accurately as dung. But it's not really dung in the English language. The, now stay with me here. The English equivalent for the word scubala is actually a bad word. It really is. You can look it up this afternoon then erase it off your phone. It's a harsh word in the English language. It's what you would consider a cuss word. Here's the challenge. For a lot of people today, we're like this. I've got my religious beliefs. I've got them neat, Matt. I've organized them. Here's what I believe. It's well organized. Basically, friends, what you have is a very organized pile of scubala. Some of you say, I've got more religion than others. Some of you are really, really, really proud of your pile. And you've actually put a little flag in that pile. It's a little flag in your pile to distinguish your pile from other piles. You may put a little Baptist flag in your pile or a little non-denominational flag in your pile, or a little Pentecostal flag in your pile, or a little whatever flag you want in your pile, and you're proud of your pile because you've got a flag in it, it's still a pile of... Okay. Some of you, maybe you're a little more creative than others. You've decided to make your own pile. Not just one pile. You pick a little bit of... Stuff from everybody's pile. You got a little bit of Christianity. You take out the stuff that you don't like. You put a little bit of whatever over there. But let's face it. Even if you added all your own stuff to your pile, it's still a pile. It's a pile of combined poop. That's what Paul is saying here. He is saying 
Take your pile. Whatever it is, it's still a pile. That's what religion is. It's always our external attempt to please God. Pile, uh, Paul says it's a pile of scubala. I consider all of this scubala be, that I may gain Christ. Not gain religion, but gain Christ that I may be found in Him. Now don't miss this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, I'm not made right because of what I do with I'm not made right with God because I externally do all the right things. Look back at verse 9. I want to be found in Him. Not having a righteousness or an understanding or the right behaviors on my own that comes from the law. I want to have that which means a faith in Christ. The righteousness that only comes, that only flows from God. What you have to understand is This turned the religious world that Jesus came into upside down. They would be like, that's heresy. You can't say that. That's different. We all know that is how we behave that makes us right with God. No. You want to know the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is, of all the rules, is to show you that we don't measure up. We're not good enough. Well, let's go back to the Ten Commandments just for a second. Have you ever put anything before God? Yep, I have. Have you ever told a lie? Yep, I have. Have you ever stolen anything? Yep. What does that make us? We're liars, we're thieves, we're idolaters. Well, Let's praise God. At least we're all holy when we sit here in the morning. The purpose of the law is to simply show us we can't do it. We're participating in the traditions of man. And we're missing what the power of the gospel is in our heart. We all can have head knowledge of this story. But miss having a heart relationship with the one that the story is all about. Hear it as if you've never heard it before, friends. Religion is all about you. But God says it's all about Christ and Him alone. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son. That's different. He sent His Son into this world born of a virgin. It only happened one time in history. That's different. So that... He wouldn't inherit the sin nature of an earthly father, but instead the heavenly nature of his heavenly father. Therefore, Jesus, God in flesh, his son, could live a sinless life. And when he was old enough, he started teaching things that amazed people. It was so otherworldly. It was so different. Jesus said things like this, if you want to be the greatest, then you have to serve. That's different. If you want to be the most important, you should be the least. If you want to be first, you need to be the last. That's different. Jesus said things that boggled people's minds. If you give, it'll be given unto you. If you want to find your life, you have to lose it. If someone hits you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. If someone hurts you, you bless them. 
If someone insults you, you actually pray for them. If someone betrays you, you forgive them. Not just one time, but 70 times 7. And the world looks on going, that's the most different thing ever. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross and lay down your life. Jesus said, they're going to destroy the temple. And three days later, I will rebuild it. The temple? Rebuild it three days? That's different. And guess what all the religious people did? They hated him. They wanted to follow the rules because the rules were easy. He kept saying and doing things like healing people on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath and this is crazy, it's different. The Son of God did things that were not humanly possible. He opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He hugged lepers. He healed them. He raised the dead. And all the religious people couldn't stand him. They turned on him. They criticized him. Who did Jesus befriend? People like you. People like me. Liars. Thieves. Adulterers. People who sinned radically. He befriended prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and the lowest of the low and the outcast. He loved these bad people. And they were transformed, and many of them, even though they were uneducated, even though they weren't brought up in the best religious schools, they left everything. How different is that? To follow him, and he said, I'll use you to change the world. How different is that, friends? Then one day, he became obedient, even to death on the cross. And he allowed one of his own, Judas, to betray him with a kiss. How different is that? And he turned himself in and allowed the creation that he created to abuse him. The creator, driving stakes through his wrists and through his heels, placed a crown of thorns across his his brow and hit him again and again and mocked him as he was willingly able to get himself up on a cross. And they abused him. He looked up to heaven and prayed the most different prayer ever. Father, forgive them. They have no clue what they're doing. Then he became our sin. I don't know what sins are represented here, but certainly someone's committed adultery. He became your adultery. Some of you have given in to sexual lust. He became your sexual lust. Some of you have lied. He became your lying, your greed, your pride, your envy, your worldliness, your bitterness, and your hatred. Well, why did he do that? Because I'm a good person? No. Scripture says that without Christ, you are the object of God's wrath. That our best attempt at righteousness is as filthy rags. In case you didn't know what the Hebrew for filthy rags is, it means rags used during a woman's menstrual cycle. That's how righteous Matt is. In the Hebrew, that translates as gross. That's how righteous we are. And then Jesus on the cross as our sin becomes sin for us, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. 
Christ looks up to heaven and says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he says, it is finished. The world went dark. It shook. One of the guards looks on and says, surely this was the Son of God. And for three days, everyone held their breath. What happened? Where did he go? We thought he was, and he's not. And what's this temple thing? And three days later, a couple of women went out to look on his body and said, who is going to roll the stone away? We really want to see him. When they got there, the stone was removed. The tomb was empty because death could not contain Christ. The grave could not hold him. He was risen. The problem is, friends, let's just call it what it is. We give a little golf clap because we just kind of believe it. If that's true, it changes everything. And we can't remain the same. What have we done today? We've normalized it. What's the cross? It's a piece of jewelry. Or if you're young, it's a tattoo because you're so much cooler. Well, what have we done? We've taken the instrument of great torture and made it into a piece of jewelry. If he died in an electric chair, would we have an electric chair hanging around our neck? See, we're just on the broad path. We're kind of believing God, but living like everyone else. Here's the deal if it's true. And I believe with all my heart and why we're doing this series is we cannot casually believe the gospel message. You can choose the broad path, religion, or you can choose the narrow path, which is Christ. You can worry about what you do or you can celebrate what Christ has done for you. You can make this life all about you or you can make it all about what Christ has done for you. I want His righteousness to be my own. Religion says it's about what I do. Christ says it's all about what Christ has done. Religion says if I work really hard, He just might love me. God says, I love you. And you get the great privilege of obeying me. When you believe that many are going the wrong way, one day you just stop and say, I don't want to go toward destruction. Normal's not working anyway. I want to step through that small gate, the gate called Jesus. When you really believe that, you cannot be the same. You cannot stay the same. Your only reasonable response is to give him your whole life. When you do, you'll get on the narrow road and people will call you different, but you'll be so full of his love and so full of his kingdom that they're going to want what you have and you'll be different and invite them on and they'll meet not religion, which leads to bondage, but Christ who sets you free. And friends, the world will realize that normal is not working. And they'll be different in a God kind of way. I'm going to end with John 11. I don't think there's a greater way for us to end this service than in a few minutes we're going to take communion. And for some of you, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is the day that you need to step into that narrow road. 
Here's what John 11 says. John 11, 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am it. I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for how it changes us. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.